2020, people. What's happening? We yeah. live in the future. Yeah, the future's tight, right? Pretty so, cool. What I'm excited for uh, about the future is being able to have deeper conversations about potential extraterrestrial life that exists within the cosmos. And that's what we're going to do today, man. Some seriously gnarly stuff today. It's not often you get to speak with an ex-CIA operative about stuff like this. Right, right. Um, also, just very nice guy. And I said it in last week's episode, but I mean, kind of like Walker, Texas Ranger of the extraterrestrial <laughs> sure. space, right? Um, I just, i big fan. Uh, and to, you know, tip the proverbial hat to Mr. Sims, I have fashioned my own mustache it looks terrific oh, you know, dude you look you. super sharp yes yeah, a little push broom action going on it's one of the nice things about being an adult you can mm. just do and you know you've got a, a wonderful lady in your life mm. who uh lets you do those sorts of things without thinking you're unattractive anymore you know but i don't know about the latter i don't know she still <laughs> lets me do it still has, <laughs> i think it looks terrific <laughs> i appreciate that so before we start talking about mr sims uh and you know the mustache front that we've got going on today let's uh first and foremost remind you guys that Inner Traditions is and has been from the beginning of this show the title sponsor of Lost Origins. And if you're new to the show, we really encourage you to open up a browser right now, just innertraditions.com. Just check it out. There's tons of books, tons of resources, tons of genres, rabbit holes, all the things for you to explore everything from ancient mysteries, uh, esoteric knowledge. It's, it's just unbelievable. These are your people. Yeah. Not only do they live and breathe this stuff, but they also spend a lot of resources trying to make sure that this information gets out there. Yeah, you know, that's like up. really one of those things where they support the community and what we're just trying to make sure is that the community supports them. Yeah. And so if you enjoyed last week's episode with Dr. Robert Schock, as much as I did, I would highly encourage you based on a few conversations that I've had online on social media and the DMs with a few of you out there about his work specifically. You should go to innertraditions.com and check out Forgotten Civilizations by Dr. Schock. In our conversation last week, we talked about uh, the Younger Dryas. We talked about uh, just like the end of this lost civilization that dates back to the era or the epoch that is Gobekli Tepe. Um, and it was pretty straightforward that Dr. Shock is not a proponent of the theory that the Torrid Meteor Stream was the cause of that entire era of cataclysm and chaos and destruction. He's much, much more for solar flares, exactly, coronal mass ejections. And that book, Forgotten Civilizations, super, super easy read, but heady as hell. And that's the focus of the book. So check that one out. That's the one that I would recommend you to, to, to scoop up if you're looking for a good read at innertraditions.com. Go holler at our homies. Do it. So let me ask you this, man. We talked a little bit last week about the other new sponsor of our show. And I'm really just curious to kind of get your take on what your experience has been like so far with Great Courses Plus. I have loved it. I will say that just in general, I think like everybody, I don't have tons of time in my life. Um, you know, it's hard, I think, as an adult to really go back to college, go back to school, really try to dig deep on some of these topics. I think sometimes it's hard for us. We get in these rabbit holes of YouTube. Mm -hmm. you, know, you watch one expert, you watch somebody else. And two hours later, you're talking, you know, some guy on his chair is yelling at you. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest things that I got from the Great Courses Plus is just the consistency mm -hmm. of incredibly high quality content. Content. Yeah, for sure. I have now taken two of their courses in their entirety. They're half hour lectures. So, you know, they really do fit into a life schedule, whether you're a parent or you're just somebody who wants to crank through these things. Yep. Um, and the consistency was really something I did not expect. It is world-class curriculum and even just the you know the technology that they're using for these professors like some of them are you know standing in front of green screens so there's a lot of like really interesting content that's projected while they're giving their lectures 
years. Uh, I would uh, even argue, you know, having attended an Ivy League institution myself and, yep. you know, been around a lot of these kind of courses that the the actual content you're receiving is as high quality as the things that I saw while I was at Penn. And I would say maybe even a little bit more because it seems like they're just speaking to you. Yeah. That's just like almost personalized, right? Yeah. yeah it's, it's a rad experience. I've, I've, I've enjoyed it so much being able to have all these different topics just at my fingertips um, whenever I want or I have the time to do so. Cause, cause like you said, life is busy. You got the kids. Uh, they don't always cooperate. <laughs> I mean, arguably never. And it, it's nice though, to be able to hop in when you have, you know, 30 minutes and you can consume content. You can learn about a thing on a whole different scale that doesn't require, you know, that student loan payment every month. And I'm really enjoying that too. And, so. they've, and they've got, you know, the content that's really relevant. You know, we're talking about unlimited access to thousands of different lectures, all of these topics that we think are really relevant to the interests of, of the listeners, whether it's secret societies, ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs, even things like tips on traveling and going to some of these, you know, these areas, different cultural uh, norms. But the history section specifically of the curriculum yeah. is incredible. It is very deep. You know, I'd, I'd mentioned it last week, but we're, we're gearing up for this trip to Greece. We're doing uh, Athens, Mykonos, and Santorini. Sick. So stoked. But like the next course that's in our list and on our radar is, is all about Greece. And we're just going to do like the foundational prep work, but also get super stoked by watching those courses. Um, but it's, it's stuff like that, right? It's not just like I, I need to learn this thing. Like you can use it for, for multiple, multiple applications. And, and I'm, I'm really, really stoked for that. So we're still going to be looking at the featured course for this week. We really encourage you guys to check it out. Even if you're, you're not ready to like enroll and, and you know, grab your, your pens and, and your backpack, um, just check it out. So the featured course that we're focusing on right now is Ancient Civilizations of North America. If you're a fan of the episodes that we've done um, with guys like Scott Walter, for example, this is right up your alley, guys. This is stuff that, that is, is, is going to be near and dear to you know your appetite for ancient mysteries but just understanding the chronology of our species and so if you head over to the website and just plug in this special url right the great courses plus that's plus not not the, the actual character plus dot uh, com forward slash lost origins all one word don't even need a coupon code you guys are going to get one hell of a deal it's essentially ten dollars a month right i mean that's like in this day and age, it's like nothing. It's yeah, like, like, a co it's like, it's like coffee 1.2 coffees. Yeah, exactly. Like really, there, there are a few things, you know, we don't talk about a lot of products on this show and specifically we only focus on products that we think are useful or things that we want to use in our real life. There's just no way you're going to find something of this quality yep. um, that you're going to want to pay for after those three months. Um, I'll tell you, this is one of those things that I, I think I would see as missing from my life mm -hmm. at this point. Like now that I have it, um, I'd be looking in a lot of different sources and frankly, I'd pay a lot more money for this level of quality. Yeah. So check it out guys. The great courses plus.com forward slash lost origins, take it for a test drive and let us know what you think. Hit us up on social media, drop a DM in our bucket. Let us know what you guys are, what, what, what courses you're, you're interested in, what courses you're taking. Cause I do know that there's definitely an opportunity for us to explore some of that content on the show as well. So check it out. You will not be disappointed. So let's talk about today's show, man. We got Daryl Sims Whew. coming on to Lost Origins. This guy uh, affectionately referred to as the alien hunter, not just because of the television show that uh, also went by that name. Um, but, but this guy straight up, when I say Walker, Texas Ranger of the extraterrestrial investigation space, that is him in a nutshell. Like, the hat, the mustache, the drawl. The guy is just 
so cool. I'm so excited to pick his brain today. Um, and, and this guy has had one hell of a journey. I mean, he talks about in several different interviews that he's done online or, or on different podcasts or different speaking engagements, like he's had experiences with extraterrestrial abductions since he was a kid. And that is like sent him on this path of investigating it, figuring out what the hell's going on. And, and you know, that's what created the alien hunter. Yeah. And I think like, you know, so many people out there sometimes feel alone or feel like there aren't uh, enough paranormal investigators who are really listening or really digging in or digging deep. And it's nice to have somebody with this level of, you know, senior military police officer experience, yeah. you know, covert operations. Like this guy is not a uh, small time investigator. He's no. a pretty serious hitter in the space. He's, he, well, you said pioneer straight up, right? Like this guy has discovered the alien implant phenomenon and he's pioneered several research protocols. Um, to date, he has been at the helm uh, of coordinating 24 different surgeries to extract these alien implants. We're definitely going to need to pick his brain on those today. Um, we're talking about alien uh, fluorescence, um, like all, all these different aspects that we don't normally think about when we when we are like contemplating extraterrestrial uh, existence within you know our waking life. It's really really interesting stuff. I know we got a ton of questions, so... Let's get this man on yeah, the horn. Let's, let's do it. Call. All right, Daryl, welcome to this week's episode of Lost Origins. It's awesome to have you on the show with CK and myself today. Thank you for carving time for us today, man. This is going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. You guys are really awesome. So let's rock and roll. <laughs> we appreciate that. We yeah. appreciate that. But, you know, we're just two nerds doing the nerd thing. You're the one out there, boots on the ground, making the stuff happen, man. So we're excited to pick your brain. So thank you. Um, rock and roll. That's that's what I'm after here. <laughs> let's uh, <laughs> let's start with the, the background history lesson, right? Um, we always like to make sure that when we have a guest come on the show for the first time, we give them the opportunity to hit us with some backstory, some context, you know, for the folks out there in the audience who maybe have not seen your work, read your books, seen your uh, different television series and whatnot. Give us the the, the, the background lesson there, right, Daryl? Who are you? Um, I know that you've spent some time, a uh, significant amount of time as a senior military police officer, ex-covert operations. You've got uh, some some work that you've done for the CIA for several years. Um, walk us through like just the, the day in the life. What got you to this moment today, Daryl? What got me to the this moment in time is um, something strange happened to me when I was four years old in Midland, Texas. Uh, back then in 1952, nobody knew what an alien was or anything like that. Uh, that it was just unheard of in every sense of the word. And there was something in my room. I uh, sat up. I didn't wake up. It was like I was switched on. And I sat up in my little bed and noticed there was a skinny little guy walking toward the wall. I did not know at the time that he was, I had just come through the wall with him. And he had brought me back, put me in bed so that I wouldn't remember anything back through the wall and I saw it at that point and I had no idea that he was going to walk through the wall and I thought he's going to bump into the wall and uh, at that point apparently he heard my thoughts because he turned around and I heard something for the first time in my head I'd never heard I heard him speak in my head with like his own little voice and he said it's awake now, so. there was only two people in the room, and I assume he wasn't the it he was talking about. So long story short, I just uh, I, I just didn't know what to do. I mean, uh, 
that was my first event at age four. And I had approximately 10 events over the next uh, uh, 13 years. And my events ended violently in 19, uh, with 73 be um, 13 years later. And uh, when I was 17 years old, and I didn't have any events after that, except for one when I was, uh, my son was uh, six years old. And uh, I woke up very suddenly, again, like I was switched on, uh, ran through the house and found my son standing at the back door. They had just brought him back. And that changed my life forever from a literally a, a victim to uh, somebody that hunted the alien. I hunt them that hunted me and later hunted my son. And I still do. Okay. Holy hell. Yeah. Um, I have all the questions. This is man. Where do we start? Okay, so you said that you like you you sat up like you were switched on. Help help me understand that feeling a little bit, Daryl. Is that like when you when you wake up in the middle of the night in that weird in between awake in between sleep state, or did you like you were fully awake, fully conscious? You 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 knew where you were, all the things, but it it was just like boom, all of a sudden you're there. Try to explain that that feeling for me if you could. The experience. Um for me is uh, it's literally like being switched on uh, like you're off and all of a sudden you're on like turning a radio on the radio doesn't warm up or have to think about you know what happened it just gets turned on sure and i later realized that that's actually an ability that you can do uh, during an abduction you can when they turn you off you can turn yourself right back on if you want to they don't know that you're not doing you're doing that or not the, the point is that uh, that skill is actually developed, and uh, uh, even when I was in surgery the uh, under general anesthesia, uh, I woke up in a hospital uh, on anesthesia with Dr. Albina, and uh, I realized something was wrong again, and I uh, opened my eyes, and I mean, I was wide awake asking questions like, who's the other doctor, because he wasn't supposed to be in there, and he had subbed out to work to someone else. so. The idea of being switched on is just like a radio. It's just like all of a sudden the switch gets turned on. Either you do it or they do it. And it, you're completely aware. It's just like you're starting again exactly where the switch is turned on. Yep. It's not a, a matter of waking up or uh, any of this uh, hypnotic or hypnopoponic states, uh, anything like that. It is nothing like that. Yeah, you're not groggy. You're not foggy. Yeah, you're not working through all the morning stuff, needing the coffee. It's just like boom. It's, it's there. Yeah, that's exactly what That's intense. So um, you're four years old at this time, Daryl. Um, I mean, I have a few fleeting memories from when I was four years old. Um, and, you know, they're just like tiny little glimpses. But to, to, to have that kind of recall at that age, man, that must have just been like a powerful, powerful experience. And rightfully so, right? The way you explain it. Um, so so when, when this creature in your room is is communicating and you can hear it via your mind telepathically whatever we want to call it um do you have any like insider memories as to who he was communicating with like do you do you remember anything about where they took you or anything like that or or is it just when you're turned on turned back on i guess uh that's it that that's that's the beginning of the the timeline in your in your memory well they gave us uh they gave especially back then uh, very spe specific orders not to you will not remember anything and uh, as the event progressed on, uh, I was not afraid. I was sitting up. I was not paralyzed. I wasn't afraid. 
I was just stunned when he turned around. I saw his large black eyes that were perfectly round, an inch and a half across, uh, not like the Hollywood version of aliens you see today yeah. on TV. And the entity uh, was stunning to me because I noticed as he didn't have any clothes on, it was wintertime. Uh, I thought, good night. He's, it's like that's going to freeze to death. So, uh, I, as he turned around, I was stunned, first of all, as I looked from his large black eyes down, and to, I noticed he didn't have a belly button. And uh, hmm. I also, after that, noticed he didn't have any genitalia. He had no clothes on at all. So I couldn't figure out, if I've got a TT, why doesn't he? Sure, sure. And he, I've got a belly button, why doesn't he? And after years of investigations, when you think about stuff like that, you realize if you don't have genitalia, you it's don't procreate. Asexual, yeah. If you don't uh, have uh, a navel, you weren't born. You were hatched, cloned, made, or manufactured. That's how you got here. You didn't get here the way we did. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. That's... Okay. So now I have, I have more questions. <laughs> you keep leading me down the rabbit hole. It's awesome. I love it. So you said that over the course of the next, what, 13 years, you had several additional experiences like this. Um, I mean... So I guess two-part question here. First, is were they similar experiences that you had? Were they different? Um, and then the second part would be, you know, why, like, the recurring uh, experiences, do you think that it's, like, an ongoing, uh, like, observation of just, uh, uh, like, the, the chosen one in that moment, a random person that they're, that they're looking to gain insight on? Or, like, have, have you? I'm sure you've spent a, a ridiculous amount of time digging into that. Can you unpack that for us? I certainly can, uh, and you guys uh, will find this, I think, fairly interesting. The same guy that got me the first night, uh, he is generally, I refer to them as your handler. He's the one that's going to be there every time. If there were a million of them lined up and they all look the same, you could pick him out of the whole, boot, uh, the whole bunch easily. And the fact is, the uh, next major time I saw him, uh, was uh, coming out of a little outhouse uh, using the bathroom in the, late in the evening uh, in Mayhill, New Mexico. I mean, when I was like six years old, um, excuse me, that's not correct, nine years old, uh, in the third grade. And uh, as I shut the door, walking back to the house, uh, there he was standing there behind the door. And, of course, I was just stunned. You know, I recognized him instantly. And, of course, uh, you're gone. The next day, that was on a Friday. The next day was a Saturday morning. And uh, I was out there. And I, I love animals. I've rescued more animals than most people have ever seen in their life. And I mean that literally. Wow. And my family's done the same thing. Rescued a Bengal tiger, a, a giant uh, 18-foot pythons and birds of all kinds, any kind of animal you can imagine, even exotics. We've rescued a lot. My daughter's still doing that in Scotland to this day. But the point is that the next morning, I was out, uh, out at, uh, like I said, in third grade, uh, killing grasshoppers. I was pulling the heads off of them as fast as I could, hundreds of them. Yeah. And I asked myself a question, why am I doing this? I, I love animals and insects. Why am I killing these little harmless bugs? And I put one of them next to my eye, and I looked at him very closely, and I realized that's the wrong insect. What do you mean by the that? The insect was a praying mantis. Well, okay, so. That was who I was really upset with. Because that's the guy I saw the night before. Wow. That's super heavy. Um, so, 
if I can shift quite the question just a little bit, uh, Daryl, you had mentioned about how, you know, years later, what was it 1973? I think you said you go out and you see your son near the back door. And now he's a part of this ongoing observation, you know, experience, whatever we're going to, we're going to point to it. as far as naming convention goes, that had to be like, I mean, I'm a father, CK is a father. We, we know what that's like to, you know, always just be Papa bear through and through. Um, like I also fully understand the, the shift in your perspective of becoming, you know, the hunter of those who hunted you. Why do you think, have you ever, have you been able to piece it together? Why it, it became a next of kin type of observation? Was it because it started with you and they wanted to continue this? Maybe it's a genetic, uh, observation. Like what, what are your thoughts there, Daryl? Our statistics, uh, for you guys, uh, show that these, uh, uh, entities are, in, in our opinion, uh, interested in the uh, literally the genealogy of the uh, individuals. Uh, our statistics show that forty-five uh, percent of the people taken would be Native American, Indian, Irish. Okay. Uh, the uh, they if they've taken one of you like you yourself your child or anything else or uh, ck's child it's pretty evident they either got you or some other relative in the family they don't need everybody okay it's rare but in in our case they got three of the boys in our family some cases they get all the girls in the family but that's very rare usually it's only one person and that's basically it in a generation they don't have to have everybody it's like a big enough sample pool to, to get the information that they need. And then, and then there's, they move on to the next uh, sample group almost. I, I hate using that term when we're describing human beings, but um, in your family specifically, but the, is that a correct understanding of it? Well, I think the, um, uh, another way to look at it is um, uh, the, they're interested in your, your genealogy, that particular lineage. And they don't, it's, we personally are not, important or relevant to them in any sense of the word we are uh, just uh, even your thinking is referred to by them as an infestation Interesting. Uh, they uh, you if you had to listen to the aliens description of humanity you would not like it uh, they are they have no use for you except other than the, what they're supposed to do in the events but 45 percent of the people taken to be native american and irish celtic or scottish and uh, we found this consistent uh, worldwide. The Turks told me when I went there years ago in, 2000, in 2006 that uh, my work was wonderful except for one flaw. And I said, what's that? And they said, well, we're, we're Turks. We're not Native American. And I said, the stats are correct. And they assured me that I was wrong. One of their professors uh, came from Ankita, the capital, to the United States, did DNA testing on certain Northern Native American tribes, and then literally went down and did the uh, DNA testing on the Turks, and to his shock and amazement, everybody's shock, they found the Turks are Native American Irish, Native American Indian, and Turk. Genetic, genetic connection there, wow, wow, wow. Man, um, yeah, my, my mind is just like, <laughs> 
<laughs> racing right now. So we definitely went full rip right out of the gate. I want to take like one step back, Daryl, just to like hit us with a little bit more context here. Okay. So you're the head of the HUFON, the Houston UFO Network, and you've presented at conferences like Contact in the Desert. You've appeared in several televisions. Or te- you've appeared in several TV series, including Uncovering Aliens. Uh, but before we jump into your personal experiences, could you share with our listeners the primary focal points of your research? The primary uh, area that I delve into uh, is several layers. The first layer, which is the most obvious and the most uh, looked at, I think, is the physical evidence that I gather. I have the largest collection of actual physical evidence uh, in the world among abductees or contactees or anybody else, I think. And a lot of that evidence... uh, entails also the alien alleged alien implant and uh, we've conducted 25 surgeries worldwide the last case being in india where we have literally uh uncovered some pretty remarkable evidence uh and that's that's pretty much my hallmark i think for most people so i mean there's also you know genetic testing different things that you guys are making connections with like the the turkish example that you gave us um man so the the television series i mean what was for for our listeners who maybe have not consumed that is that really what the focal point of the show is is are these implants and um trying to get to the bottom of what we're we're looking at and working with here or was it a different premise altogether the 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 uncovering aliens tv show that we did uh was primarily interested in uh cases and uh physical evidence of course in which we did uncover some physical evidence of alleged uh, two a couple of cases of UFOs that may have expelled some matter and that was tested and showed to be extraterrestrial in origin. Uh, so that was kind of a, an important deal. Uh, but right now we're working on the uh, with a production company uh, to develop uh, the Alien Hunter series, a TV series in which the, all my ca- actual cases personally will be shown. Wow. Wow. That's, I mean, that's super exciting stuff. Um, I mean, anytime you can tie a visual component to it, it always helps people, you know, understand what, what we're discussing. So I think, I think as far as your work is concerned, that's definitely a conducive medium uh, to explaining what you're, what you're seeing and, and touching and working with here. Right. So you've spent a significant amount of time researching abductions and alien implants. Before we discuss the ocular alien implant specifically, I was hoping you could share with the audience some of the evidence that you've uncovered around abductions and implants. You know, what are the what are a few scenarios that you can break down for us that you just can't explain any other way? Certainly, uh, one of the big complaints uh, from the so-called science community. Uh, Dr. Susan Clancy at Harvard, Dr. Susan Blackmore in England is an example, is that all these experiences are strictly 100% hallucination or they are simply uh, just the the idea of uh, that we're having a sleep paralysis. And that's really the answer. And uh, when I talked to CNN about that, they asked me if I would debate that issue. And I said, certainly. And I said, but I already win. They said, but I'll the say, debate yeah. hadn't started. I said, I already win. They said, why do you think that is? And I said, because sleep paralysis is predicated on the assumption that you're asleep. (laughs) 60% of the cases in the United States, people are wide awake, driving down the highway, or doing something effective. Right. Uh, It's higher. It's 90-some percent in Brazil. So I win 60 to 90% of the argument before we ever get started because you don't have sleep paralysis while you're driving down highway 
or talking or eating food or whatever, unless you've got narcolepsy or something like that. That's, that's number one. Number two is when you come back from uh, your sleep paralysis, if that's what you want to call it, with a scoop mark, an implant inside you that turns out to be extraterrestrial in origin and uh, it has no explanation biologically or metallurgically, um, I think that's a pretty good case that you're absolutely 100% wrong. Sure. How'd that go over? <laughs> uh, they they rewired the uh, the interview and uh, made it look like that I I uh, they they cut most of that out. They right. wouldn't even put that part in there. Sure, sure, they sure. just redid. It's CNN. So it was. I call them fake news for a good reason. Sure. And now I will not I will not give them an interview of any kind for any reason, and I won't in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I hate to cut us short real fast, but we do need to take a quick break. So more from Daryl Sims after the break. Welcome back to this week's episode of Lost Origins. If you're just tuning in, man, are we having one hell of a conversation with our new friend, Daryl Sims. And before the break, we were talking about so many different things. His career with the CIA, just his background with uh, extraterrestrial investigation and encounters. And we need to just jump right back in. So, Daryl. So the interview aside, Daryl, tell me a little bit about these implants. Again, let's let's punt um, on the ocular alien implants specifically. But like, have you been able to see common themes as far as like where within the human body these implants are placed, and then when they're extracted? You know, what kind of like technology are we looking at here? Have we been able to reverse engineer it at all to find out what the impetus is? Break us down on on, on the on, on what you've seen specifically in that right. Well, first of all, I think it would be important to, for your audience to understand that implants are extremely rare. Okay. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what you read on the Internet. It's wrong. It's wrong simply because, number one, I discovered it in 1960. And number two, we've done 25 surgeries worldwide on the phenomena. So we probably have a pretty good clue as to what's going on with them. And uh, the second thing is uh, it's easier to describe what the implant isn't for the audience number one it is not um, a tracking device if that were true it was a tracking device how did they find you to put a tracking device in you sure sure so that they f probably find you with a neural print anyway so it doesn't make any sense they're they're following the genetics number two is that it's not a, a transponder it's not giving off information and, and here's a big one 250 students uh, asked me to speak at John Muir Medical Hospital on medical complications of alleged alien human contact, specifically implants. That was in 1994 before we performed the first surgery anywhere. And I made four predictions there. All of those predictions came exactly correctly true. Uh, and you say, well, so what's so unusual about that? Well, medically, they were incorrect. They were impossible. One of them was if these objects that I'm showing you on x-ray and MRI and CAT scans here are really alien in origin, there will be no discernible form of technology present. 
that had a, that, a lot of people had a problem with that. Second is that it would be attached to a nerve supply that would be separate. And third, that it would be, in fact, uh, uh, the object would be uh, have a biological cocoon around it that was not native to that part of the body. And you can just imagine the eyes moving around of these doctors when they heard all that. Sure. Well, during the first surgery, all of that came came to pass, every bit of it. That was medically proven to be totally true. The what we don't what the big mistake most people have with the alien is they try to apply human technology or human anything to them. Right. That is a huge mistake. They don't think like you. They don't act like you. They live in a, a structured system that's so different than humans understand. They can't even, we can't even grasp it. In For other sure. words, when I finally became paralyzed when I was a little boy, uh, after the alien finally decided to come close to me, uh, it, I later found out he transferred his fear to me. They live in a society we can barely even grasp. And uh, we keep applying human values to them that is simply not even accurate yeah i think it's dangerous in general right i mean you can't it's not an apples to apples scenario that's like comparing apples to abacus right it's not one thing is not the other there i mean that's that's very very well said so that's correct you had also mentioned that you know when when you had made these predictions daryl you had said we would not be able to have any sort of detection method uh, as it relates to their technology um i i definitely understand what, where you're going there and it's because you know as humans a we're projecting our understanding of technology uh onto them as to what they would be viewing as, as technological or what they would be using to achieve a thing but but two we probably can't even parse the way in which they're approaching something like that i'm, I'm tracking you correctly right that's correct uh i think that uh and you you guys are asking the question so uh one of the big one of the big things when we're writing the book on implants, uh, my, my surgical nurse was my partner in writing it, and uh, she said we need a a, a a zinger for chapter twelve. I said, "What do you mean?" She said, "Something that really grasps people's thinking." And I said, "Okay." Um, she says, "Give me a good zinger," and I said, "Do aliens have implants?" Like aliens themselves also have implants. Yeah, she, she said, oh, my God, that's that's incredible. What a great question. And then she thought for a minute and says, do they? <laughs> so do you mean like te like tethering themselves to us almost? like They are implants. Wait, say that again. They are the biggest collection of implants in a biological form, and some of them in a biomechanical form you've ever seen. And they are made, hatched, cloned, and manufactured for the purpose of interaction with mankind to convince you that they're aliens from other planets. They may or may not be. Okay. So let's unpack that one. So first of all, I, I just want to know, like, okay, why? Why are they trying to convince us that they're from another planet? Is it because it's actually not another planetary system? It's actually a multidimensional uh, entity at you know, let's just start there. I'm not even going to like rip through all the questions. <laughs> okay. The, um, there, uh, let me see if I can help your audience. Uh, this is 
this is original thinking here. This is not something you're going to read on the internet anywhere. Yeah, do the, do the deep uh, If you did, yeah. then uh, if, if you are, it's somebody copying something I've said at a conference. Sure. And I just came back from my European tour this week. I uh, started in the UK, ended up in uh, Cosenza, Italy, the next conference, and then in Istanbul, Turkey, and then Gobekli Tepli, where I just finished some research there. Yeah. But the point is, what I told them is that um, most people don't have implants, and they, they, they don't, and they won't. And um, I said, it's important for you to understand that if, because it, people who write this on the internet just are there scaring people. And I said, if you've been close to an alien, you have already been close to a UFO or in a UFO, you're already programmed. It's already done. The implants for a totally different program and it has nothing to do with what everybody else is going through, so to speak. So, Number one, if you look at the alien, uh, and I'll, I have a, a chart which I call the usual suspects. Okay. And in a long, short version, uh, you have um, the little gray alien, which everybody seems to know well from TV. Mm-hmm. He's got an IQ of about, a, a, about a 80, which is called a moron in our society. Sure. Uh, and everybody said, well, you're, you're disparaging them. I said, no, I'm not. I'm telling you an eyewitness account. I said, even Bud Hopkins, before he passed away, uh, quoted me one night in a conversation, and he says, they're so dumb, they can't even put your clothes on right. Uh, he wasn't far off in that one. He, that, that was, That's true. People will often come back with each other's clothes on from an event. Two or three or four people get taken. Sometimes they'll be wearing each other's socks or shoes or because they put your clothes on wrong whenever they, they reclothe you. I've also heard stories of like clothes being put on backwards, right? Like my sh- the shirts on backwards, pants yeah, exactly. are on backwards. Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah. Okay, okay. That's exactly correct. One little girl came back with an army guy's field jacket. Yeah, that that, yeah, that probably that doesn't was fit. Her clothing. Uh, but the second one is a doctor type. He looks just like the gray alien, but he's about a foot taller, and he is the boss. He's got an IQ about 140. He's really smart. And if there's any implantation or surgical anything done on you or harm done to you, it's usually him that's going to do it. Then the next guy is a a reptile-looking creature, and he's usually the boss. He's pretty pretty rough, often very sexual, uh, pretty mean with with people. Then the next one is a uh, and, and again, let me let me unpack this one for you. Yeah, please. Where in the world would you get DNA for, let's say, a reptile? Probably not Pluto or Neptune. You might find all kinds of reptiles on planet Earth. Right. So where would you get the DNA for, say, a praying mantis like I encountered at age nine? Probably not on Saturn. Right. Probably on planet Earth. We have actually hundreds of species of uh, of these creatures. And if you go on further, you say, well, the Nordic type, the human-like one, he's really friendly or whatever you want to say about him. Uh, well, the big question is, uh, again, you put your cop hat on, and it, it's it's different than a UFO hat. UFO hat tends to believe anything, and a cop hat tends to analyze things carefully. Where would you get Nordic DNA, like the, the blonde-haired, blue-eyed uh, alien that everybody seems to like so well? Probably from, I'm guessing here, but maybe Norway. Yeah, I feel like that's that's a solid guess. That's good probably swing. a fairly good guess. And where would you get uh, Bigfoot DNA? Uh, well, uh, 
there are plenty of ape species here on the planet. And a DNA test was done recently in Texas, and they examined the DNA, and they found two things. Number one, it was a simian, which no big secret there. It's an ape-like creature. The second thing they found confirmed my thesis. They found mitochondrial DNA, a woman's DNA, modern woman DNA in Bigfoot. How do you get modern woman DNA inside Bigfoot? Well, you can do that with a process called transgenics. Sure. We're mixing the DNA of two different species. Yeah, it's like the fusion of, of, the, of the genetic code there, correct? Yes. Wow. So, okay, I'm trying to figure out which, which path to go down here because there's so many that we can go. I want to make sure that we work through uh, the ocular alien implant question real quick. Hey. We so, can do that. Okay, so we're going to kind of put a pin in this, but it, it'll all make sense in true Quentin Tarantino fashion. We're going to come full circle, so bear with me here. So let, let's let's do the thing. Let's talk about ocular alien implants. I found this fascinating as hell, Daryl. I was I was I was doing research online, reading through your work, and this was, this was a piece that I just kept coming back to, and it just, it blew my mind. So I want to read a quote from an explanation regarding a woman who was involved in a, a double mass abduction in 1992, I think. Um, also, that's a, a gnarly day for the folks involved there. Um, so basically the quote is as follows. The object underwent testing by the University of Houston, which revealed a ceramic-like exterior and a cushioned interior that according to the scientist, quote unquote, housed something. What baffled him was the unique combination of eight elements never found in a naturally occurring state together and never ever manufactured together. How could this be? How could this object have come from a woman's eye? Whoa, where do we start? Um, <laughs> let's do the deep dive here, Daryl. Just break us off on all the things. What are ocular impl alien implants? What is the impetus for these devices? If we know that, um, how many of them have been removed from abductees? Is, is, is this the implant from all 25 surgeries or extractions that you've done? Is it only a percentage of, of the implants that you guys have seen? Essentially, all the things. Um, uh, like just Just blow the minds real quick. Implants are uh, a, a, a rare commodity among the alien. Uh, and again, like I said, people who want to sell books and things are uh, uh, trying to scare people, to making everybody think they have implants. It's just simply not the case. Sure. Um, I look at hundreds of x-rays every year, and the majority of them do not have anything substantial to indicate an implantation. However, if we... Uh, look at the ocular implant as an illustration, the, where an implant is located is, is really very telling. The ocular implant was attached in the eye in some way. We think that it housed a biological camera. Okay. They got the camera, whatever it was, out, but they made a mistake and didn't get the implant. It fell out the next morning after the abduction in front of the lady's boss, and the lady kept trying to sweep it off into the uh, little tiny, it's about the size of a grain of sand. She kept trying to sweep it off into the carpet from her table. And the boss kept telling her, don't touch it. I want to see that. And she said, that to me uh, is significant. And I want you to take it to that alien hunter guy that friended yours who you introduced me to the other day. And she says, uh, no, I don't want to do that. I want to I just, just get rid of it. And uh, this is something that abductees are programmed to do, and that's destroy their own evidence. Interesting. And you see this all the time. And that's why she was kept trying to sweep it off in the carpet. 
And uh, finally, her boss said, no, I want you to, he, she put it inside a little one of those uh, containers for a film container. He said, you take it to that investigator. I'm going to call him. And if, if he didn't get it, you're fired. Boom. Your job terminated on the spot. She said, he told me about you guys, how you destroy your own evidence and how you are doing it. You're programmed to do that. So she did bring it to me. And that's where we went, it went to the University of Houston, had electron microscopy done. And they did their, their particular little minor analysis. And so when you guys are looking at these uh, eight elements that have never been found to naturally occur together, um, I mean, is it none of the eight have ever been together? Is it it's the collection of all eight? I mean, do, if, if you can kind of share with us some of the elements, it, it's the examples there. Walk us through that. It was just uh, just unusual to see so many elements uh, on something. It, it didn't make any sense to them. They were thinking, well, it's probably just a just a little device something like came out of a comb or something you know a, a, a hairbrush sure something like that they think in all kinds of stuff uh there is a no indication that, that was even remotely true um the next uh, the um, the first surgical removal we did uh, we had literally tested uh, through the NIDS Foundation, National Institute for Discovery Science, asked if they could review my implants, the ones I picked out, per study in Los Alamos, New Mexico Tech, did the study. Los Alamos constructed a special microscope that literally uh, had a contained, a contained uh, chamber on it so they could fire a laser at the metal implant that we had, and it would literally examine the outside of the structure of the uh, implant and what we found in effect was that again an, a strange combination of elements made no sense you have to understand the professors and doctors and, and specialists doing the work at los alamos and new mexico tech did not have a clue where this metal came from but they did figure out very quickly it was it was from a rare uh, meteorite called the widman statin or the outshone uh meteorite and of course they asked how in the world did you find this this is you know they're very rare how could you their needle-like projections only about a quarter inch long how in the world could you find those of course i never gave them an answer sure. the they said we found eight elements surrounding the uh the little uh, uh metallic device we can't figure out why in the world they would be on there because in outer space they wouldn't be there it doesn't make any sense they didn't know it came out of human being wrapped in the person's own probable skin probably from a uh, a scoop uh, a scoop marked area uh, and we think that's where the biology came uh, that wrapped the uh, the implant itself so this was just rather incredible and it again bespeaks of the idea of diff many different elements surrounding the outside of these objects for what reason we of course do not know so my i guess like almost the million dollar question then daryl is like why right i'm sure all of our <laughs> listeners are wondering that right now i mean we you you've, you've you have all of this evidence uh, around implants you you've done I mean, droves of interviews and research and, and investigations around different abductees. Um, you're, you're connecting all these common denominators and like piecing it together in true detective fashion and rightfully so with your background. 
what have you been able to point to as the North Star, if anything? Or is, is that something you're still working to, to isolate? Like, I'm just so curious as to find out what the hell are, is, is the, the reasoning behind it? That's a good, very good question. It's a $64,000 question. Uh, the alien will never tell you. And if they do tell you, I can promise you it's a lie. Uh, they cover their, they function just like we did in the intelligence community. Uh, everything we told people was a lie. It's called a cover story. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, one cover story, and then you, if you need another one, you invent another cover story that's better than the other one. And they're all, the truth is nothing but a lie that hadn't been told yet to the intelligence community. That's okay. just the way it works. So, with the implant, uh, we think, and and you use the word think because we don't actually know. Uh, and again, I'm putting my uh, uh, a cop hat on to give an answer here. Sure. Uh, what we think we know is that these objects, uh, which are very rare, seem to be one of the things they seem to do is alter the uh, perceptions of a person. Um, we think in some cases they may be used to alter the neurotransmitters such as serotonin, dopamine, potassium as an illustration. Now, when that question and that statement is put to a pharmacologist, uh, they looked at me and were stunned. They said, Mr. Sims, you realize that that assessment is true. If that's true, whoever, whoever's running that implant owns you. They decide when you're happy, sad, glad or suicidal and there's not anything you're going to do about it because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they're tampering with your neurotransmitters so i said that would be correct yeesh so okay just trying to parse all that real quick <laughs> it's so it's so intense um so like throughout your your research and your experiences and and, and all the people that you you've you've, you've been able to work with and, and connect with daryl are you seeing any research being done around like trying to work backwards what happened before these folks are turned back on just like the experience you had i mean is there any um work being done like in the hypnosis space or uh i I mean is is that a thing that people are exploring right now is trying to get in there and and parse that information is it subconscious is it something that can be extracted or is, is it simply just like a like a hard drive that gets reformatted it's just it's gone well what have you guys seen there we do uh, i think to answer your question for you two guys is uh to when i was at contact in the desert uh, uh dr russell targ was there a very famous uh, scientist and he was on the same scientific panel I was on. And he says, we did several remote viewing things. He said, one of them we did, uh, he said, disturbed me. It scared me really bad. And that's what was that? He said, we remote viewed a, a UFO. Okay. He said, and we found dozens of dead human beings on it. Definitely. And I said, they asked me, would you like to comment? And I said, I would. I said, I don't have the skills Dr. Targ has to remote view, but I can tell you, uh, and this, of course, is an answer to your question. I said, but I can tell you that I use abductees and contactees because they're going to get abducted anyway. So in rare cases, if they qualify for my program, I call them my test pilots. When they go back into their abduction, I leave one half of their brain abducted by the alien and the other half open and completely uh, uh, ready to go with my work. Uh, 
and they basically are my spies. And so you remote view by your process of looking at a craft. I have eyewitnesses on boots on the ground, so to speak, working for me on the craft, looking in places they don't want us to look, seeing things we're not supposed to see, and that sort of thing. And he just sat there stunned. And I said, now I want to underscore something that you already know from your remote viewing. I said, we've got thousands of people sitting out in this audience who are not going to want to hear what I'm fixing to say. And they're fairly alarmed by what you saw in a remote viewing thing. Yeah, I feel like I know where you're going. I, see, I, 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 I hope we're seeing We have found here. 300 containers approximately on one craft with bodies in every one of them. They were in a, li- a white liquid-like, milk-like liquid, and the ship shook, and one of them fell a little bit, and the body on the inside became very visible to the abductee who was spying for me. And he literally freaked out when he saw that. So where my brain immediately goes, and maybe uh, this is just me being a little like batshit nuts right now. Maybe not. I hope not. Um, so you, there's so many, there's several dead bodies that have been observed through this remote viewing. But there's also so many people that are coming back from these abduction experiences. You also, at the beginning of our conversation today, said that the little creature that was in your room when you were four years old didn't have a belly button, didn't have uh, genitalia, so there's no need for uh, reproduction. And he was not born, right? He was genetically created or cloned uh, through the use of some technology. So where my brain is at right now is when somebody is abducted is who actually comes back that person or is the body still on the ship and what you're seeing being returned back on earth a cloned version of them and that's partially why we're, we're seeing some of the implants i mean i'm sure your your brain has, has worked through that at some point um is or am i just like off off the rocker there well, uh, I think we're a little off, and uh, the reason I say that is uh, because I came back, and I, I assure you, I'm me, whoever I am. Okay, sure. And I wasn't questioning your existence, but <laughs> but, they, but there are other people, and many. I've, I've two, I have two thousand cases worldwide, and okay. I've had I've discussed all these cases for over fifty years with tens of thousands of people, and uh, so I'm, I'm pretty well versed in the phenomena, and and all kinds of conspiracies as well. But I pretty much stick to the facts. I use seven different hats uh, when I look at a case. Seven different hats. Okay. Case. Medical hat, the science hat, the uh, police hat, uh, uh, literally a uh, profiling hat, a UFO hat, which pretty much buys into anything UFO. Okay. And is always looking for some neat, fun thing. And it's a fun hat to wear, but it's often been fooled by frauds and hooksters and things like that in the UFO community. Sure. So I'm kind of wary of my UFO hat because it kind of believes all kinds of things. And uh, I have to use these other hats, which gives me 14 sets of eyes to look at every case. Not all these hats agree with each other, but that's the good part, in, in my view, of my experience. And what I will say, and I know the, this is a little uncomfortable probably for your audience, but um, there uh, there are cases that I reviewed as far back as 1967 at New Mexico State University. And that's long before most of these UFO investigators even were around. I mean, the vast majority of them. My point is that even in 1967, I had cases, rare cases, of uh, 
people had been taken and uh, and literally and uh, had died from their experience and someone else had been replaced like a baby had been, like a plane crash where a little girl a little baby girl uh, miraculously was found alive in a plane crash and uh, the parents had died with the pilot okay. the only problem with that story is it's not the little girl someone other little some other little girl was placed and they took the dead body away uh, but my big question for people is uh, there's a remarkable book and the work done and it's uh, it, I, I give credit to the individual David Pilates uh, for his work but the fact is it's stuff that we've anybody that's been in the UFO world has studied knows this stuff uh, if, if you've studied it at all that there are people in he's used the public parks but there are other areas too whereby people, thousands of them, over the years have disappeared in public parks, and there's not the slightest trace of where any of them went. So that's and this where is, the, the again, the question from. begs is, who got the bodies and where are they? They sure. didn't bring them back in those cases. But maybe it's like the, and I, I, I hate to use this, this phrase because we're talking about human beings here, but I'm almost wondering if the mentality of uh, the abductors is to make an omelet, you got to break a couple eggs maybe, right? Like they know that not every piece of data that they're able to obtain is going to allow for somebody to make the journey home, so to speak. It's like some sometimes they, they're going to get in and, and see it from all angles. And sometimes that's going to potentially be at the cost of a life. Is that is that kind of, am I tracking you there? I, I don't think that uh, the, the alien, in my opinion, works for someone else. Uh, he's he's hatched, cloned, made, manufactured, do a specific job and specific kinds of jobs. And that's what different ones do. And there is no question that they have their own. Whoever sends them and does this stuff has their own agenda. And, um, and that kind of flies in the face of a lot of people's thinking. Um, the, the, you know, like, how could that be? And how, how is this? And, uh, uh, you know, it, my point goes to the specifically to the fact that, that, uh, that these beings, whoever they are, are simply doing their job for someone else. And that we're, uh, you are expendable in the sense where they, they don't, uh, they, I don't think they try to kill people necessarily, on uh, so to speak. But if they need, uh, for whatever reason, any portion or part of you, and uh, they don't need you in it, uh, then they just need the body parts, the blood, or whatever. Uh, that's going, and uh, there's not a whole lot you'll be able to do about it. Sure, sure. Okay, so I know that we're almost at our time here, Daryl. I want to respect yours. My last question for you uh, is regarding cloning. Okay, so if we look back uh, into the Sumerian accounts of the Anunnaki, right, and we look at the cuneiform writings, um, you know, several different versions of the translation, depending on whose information you're working with there or research you're working with there. But, you know, essentially, I'm trying to drill down to are these writings, uh, you know, metaphorical myth? Or does your research and experience point to extraterrestrial presence actually stretching back for thousands of years? Furthermore, the cloning ability right like the, the anunnaki as the story goes come to earth they have to you know mine the gold to repair their atmosphere but then they get here and they realize all the labor is ridiculous and so they look around they see you know what what was human beings at that time humanoid creatures at that time genetic manipulation modification cloning and now they have a workforce based on your research and all the hats that you wear daryl what's your take on that 
Well, first of all, I, I, I go back to my initial statement, and, uh, and your astute listeners will pick this up very quickly, I think, uh, as you and CK, I, I think, have, and that is these beings are working for someone else. Right. The someone else is uh, obviously we generically have not seen them. We've seen the evidence of them. The alien phenomena, I was close with this, and, and, and uh, it, it's, it's a cliffhanger, right? It's several cliffhangers at one time, but it'll be good for your uh, audience later on if you want to do another interview. The cliffhanger is the following. The alien phenomena is only uh, the, the program called the alien abduction phenomena. It's probably been, only been in existence for 100, 150 years. That's it. The alien himself has probably been around in some form or another for a long time, several thousand years, no question. But the program alien abduction has not been, I mean, how many alien abductions do we know of uh, over 100 years old? I can't think of any. Yeah. None, because there haven't been any. Uh, That's number one. Number two, uh, there are other programs that were run by these entities who hatched, cloned, made, manufactured the alien. They also had cloned, made, manufactured, uh, and interbred with, and made uh, a series of giants on the Earth. There were at least three infestations of giants in history, and one of them is the Sumerian story, and there are others. It's certainly not limited to them. If you go to Machu Picchu, the scientists there said, oh, my God, you little people are so smart. Look at all the stuff you built. And they looked at them and said, what? The giants made that. Yeah, we didn't make this. Yeah, so history, we've got to rewrite some things here because uh, the old generic idea of scientists appointing us a history and calling it correct is wrong. So when you look at Inky and Inli and look at the, uh, uh, the base reliefs and the carvings of some of these guys, if you look at one of, one of them, you'll see, I think it's uh, uh, Inky holding a cat underneath his arm. Right. And these little people standing in front of him about three foot tall. The little people about three foot tall are average height individuals, and he's a giant. The little cat in his arm is a, uh, a full-grown lion that he's carrying. He's a giant himself. He's part and parcel to that entire program. So he, is, he was not the maker, so to speak, of that program, but he, in fact, is a part of the show, part of another program, in my opinion, uh, made by them who hatched, cloned, made, or manufactured him. Ooh, that's a cliffhanger, though, through and through. It is. And you mentioned, you know, if we want to do another interview, I mean, I feel like I speak for, for both CK and I and, you know, everybody who listens to, to Lost Origins. Hell yes, we would love to get you back on the show and we'd be able to just continue to pick the brain because I only made it through like half of my questions. I know CK uh, still has all the questions as well. This has been so awesome. And there's so many things, food for thought here in this conversation. But uh, so what are you working on now? Um, how can people find that work online and you have a schedule? How can people get in touch? The best thing that anyone can do if they want to follow what I do is to go to alienhunter.org. And uh, if you look at everything, you see implants actually in the body in situ. Uh, there's video film there and all kinds of stuff, and there's books if you're interested. Uh, our work is philanthropic. We do not charge these people for the work that we do on them. Uh, it's all been free. I beg, borrow, and push doctors in every way to help me in every way they can. So the bottom line is um, 
that uh, you can find me online and simply click on Alien Hunter, the button there, and it'll automatically email me and you can send any questions that you like. And I answer all my emails. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, listen, Daryl, I know uh, CK and I just both really, really appreciate you carving out time for us today. This was probably the fastest hour I've experienced in, in a long time. Uh, my brain is just like swimming with all the questions still. Um, but we, we do appreciate you making time to come on the show today. Thank you for, for just being open to having a conversation. And I look forward to uh, several conversations down the road. Thank you much. You guys were awesome. Thank you. Uh, cheers. I don't know about you, but it, it basically took everything that I am, every ounce of what could be adult, quote unquote, control, to not cue in the X-Files theme song throughout. The- <laughs> right? Yeah, dude. And, you know, I've been trying to like, after the whole Area 51 thing, like every part of me wanted to tell him that I'm trying to clap them cheeks at some point, but I'm, but right. he's such a serious dude. You know, he's a nice guy. He's super easy to, you know, speak with, but I don't want to undermine the seriousness of all the stuff he's doing by yeah. the silliness of what we've had in this last year with people Naruto running right. just to clap them cheeks. You don't want him to become Daryl Sims, the CK hunter. Do not. Last <laughs> last thing I need. But hopefully, uh, you know, digging deep on some of this stuff was uh, awesome, as awesome for listeners as it was for us. You know, just kind of probably getting to ask some questions, whether it's Anunnaki, whether it's the ocular implants, mm-hmm. you know, just the, a lot of different things about abduction. There's just a lot here. What I really found fascinating, though, and, and we've talked about this like loosely with other guests on the show that have talked about extraterrestrials and, and different encounters and whatnot is when he started talking about how his son had essentially a one-for-one carbon copy experience as it relates to abduction that he had when he was a kid like just the just the genetic connections between these events or these phenomenon it's just that that for me is just mind Ending is all good. I mean, and, it makes sense. But and we've heard the we've heard about that phenomenon. I feel like in a couple other conversations yeah. as well. Yeah. Right. Just that there may be some sort of genetic markers. There could be some sort of selection theory. There's just things that might link individuals beyond just the stories that people are telling to each other. Mm-hmm. Like there could be some other aspect of the profiling of a potential abductee. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just crazy as all get out. Um, basically this just like every other interview we've done and episode we've done there's a lot of homework here a lot of a lot of continued digging and rabbit hole diving that i know is going to happen in my world uh, later Indeed. later this evening so looking forward to that so next week though we get to welcome back an Uh-oh. a previous homie on the show mr bruce fenton our boy is going to be jumping back on the show and we're going to be continuing the conversation that we started in his last interview but this time we're going to be digging into several aspects that were not talked about when we were ripping through like the hybrid hybrid human theory mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about just like the forgotten exodus the the into africa theory human evolution as a whole um but he's been doing a lot of new stuff and and just chewing on different theories developing theories different research that he's really excited to share with us and you know when that guy gets excited it's it's infectious as all get out so. and, we, and we know just you know from comments and from things that other people have been looking at that uh, one of the really kind of hot areas of sort of the origins of humanity space in general is just the uh, denisovans mm-hmm. and you know how how exactly where exactly did they migrate from what do those yeah. migration patterns look like we've had some of these conversations with some hitters like andrew collins 
wins in, in yeah. this last season. And I think just continuing with an expert like Bruce is just such a cool opportunity to keep digging because this is research that's that's now. You know, yeah. this is research that's super cutting edge. Very few people are are really even on this. And I think, you know, we're talking about learning stuff through lost course or <laughs> learning stuff through, you know, the our study of lost civilizations through the Great Courses Plus and, right. and other uh, mediums. It's pretty amazing to have one of the world's foremost experts on Denisovan migrations, you know, having this real conversation with us. Straight so up. anybody who's psyched about that, definitely tune in for next week. Yeah. And if, if uh, you're one of the newer members of our audience and you've not heard the last interview with, with Bruce Fenton, this is probably a, a good bit of homework for you for, you know, your drives to work this week. Jump into your favorite podcatcher and, you know, check that out from season two. It's a really rad conversation. There's uh, some new stuff. Like I said, we're going to be talking about one thing that Bruce is really excited to rip through is a recent discovery in Crete of humanoid footprints that date back to 6 million years ago. Oof. That's a big number, man. Gnarly. Yeah, it's intense. So I'm excited as hell to, to check that out. If, uh, if you guys are, and you're not subscribed to the show, smash that button, do the five-star review thing. Check us out on patreon.com forward slash lost origins. Go to the website, lost origins.com. Um, you know, on every social media platform out there, just get involved with the community. Like I said, if you're newer to the audience, there, there is just a thriving group of people just like you asking questions and, and just trying to figure out where the hell we come from. And so, you know, I'm kind of excited for those of you who haven't been involved and have not, you know, dug through all this content and it's kind of, you know, it'll be like your own uh, holiday little gifting experience. There's just all these goodies just yeah. waiting for you. Yeah. I'm kind of envious almost. Yeah. Get them. Get go, in there. Go get them. So until next week, I am Andrew. I'm CK. And we challenge you to question everything.